everyone. It's lovely to see so many out tonight. You're all very welcome. And if you're visiting with us, you're very welcome to our service tonight. Uh, can I particularly say um, a welcome to Albert tonight? It's lovely to see you, Albert. Uh, Albert was one of our main stalwarts in the Friendly Hour. And it's just lovely to see you out with us tonight, Albert. Now, if you're listening in on the internet tonight, you're very welcome as well. We're going to start our service proper by singing number 494 in your book. I have a song that Jesus gave me. It's a lovely hymn, so let's sing it out. Thank you, Father, that we have an anchor that keeps us slow. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock, which will not move, grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. And Father, we thank you that there is forgiveness with you, and that when we give our lives to Jesus and trust him as our Saviour, then your word promises that our sins are buried in the deepest part of the sea. Our Father, your word tells us that this is still a day of grace when men and women, boys and girls can seek the Lord where they may be found. And tonight, Father, 
if there's even one in this building tonight who is seeking the truth, then we ask, Father, that you will lean your hand heavily upon them. For, Father, in this week that has passed, we are reminded that our time is in your hands. We want to pray, Father, for those who have been bereaved. We pray especially for Ed and Sharon, and for the home call of Ed's mum, Harry. And I remember even my own father today on the home call of his wife, Charlotte. We pray, Father, that you will give comfort and peace. We remember Donald and Jacqueline tonight, Father. We pray that Donald will make a full recovery after his surgery. And our Father, we especially tonight take time to remember the men out in Goldie Crow and the Ivory Coast. We thank you for answered prayer, Father. We thank you, Father, for your hand upon them as they have served you. And our Father, we again pray for traveling mercies as the men uh, start to prepare towards coming back home again. Our Father, we pray this evening for every head that is bowed in this meeting and for everyone that is listening in on the internet. We pray, Father, that they will be stirred and challenged by the word of God tonight. I want to pray, Father, for Johnny as he's come to sing for us, give him help with his song. And our Father, we ask that you give help to Victor as he brings your word to us. We thank you for Victor, for his life, uh, Father, and for his service. And we ask, Father, we might be challenged as we hear God, how God can use and bless those who serve him. So be with us now, Lord, and open our ears and our hearts to receive your word this evening. We ask it in your name. Amen. It's lovely to have uh, Johnny, or Jonathan Logan with us tonight. Johnny will do. Uh, and Jonathan's going to bring two songs now and another one just a little later. Thanks, Jonathan. Joy when trials are abounding, 
your faithfulness, my refuge in the night. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, gracious Savior of my ruined life, my guilt and cross laid on your shoulders in my place you suffer bled and died you rose the grave and death are conquered you broke the bonds of sin and shame oh lord my rock and my redeemer may all my days bring glory to your name may all my days bring glory to your name Joseph and brother for the kind words of welcome and also for Adrian for the invitation to be along tonight it's lovely to be back in St. Fields if I knew since a Victor Pastor Max was speaking, I would have sung one piece, but they've insi insisted I try to sing three because I enjoy listening to him speaking. But we'll try and get these over as quick as we can and give all the time to, to him. Uh, this next piece is a, a lovely one. New life in Christ, abundant and free. Praise God when we come to Christ for uh, seeking our sins forgiven. He gives us that new life. That new life is abundant and free. the guilt of my sin peace is now reigning within since I believed pardon received happy so happy I've been new life in Christ abundant and free what glory shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. Brighter the journey each day, though there is much to dismay, heaven awaits, bright pearly gates, there at the end of the way, new life in Christ, abundant and free. What glory shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and the strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found a new life. Come with your sin-burdened heart, 
Christ will his cleansing impart. He will forgive, in him you'll live. Oh, how the joy bells will start. Your life in Christ, abundant and free. What glory shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. Forever gone, there's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. life in Christ, abundant and free. That's, that's what we're offering tonight. They were lovely pieces, Johnny. Thank you. Uh, could I call him Brian, please, to bring the announcements? Well, good evening. Could I also welcome you to this evening, to the meeting? It's good to see you out, and we appreciate your presence, as always. I'd also like to thank our brother Johnny for his ministry. Uh, beautiful and you make it look so easy the, the terrible thing about it is such a lovely thing and thank you for the lovely words of the pieces uh, tonight also good to have our brother Pastor Maxwell with us this evening uh, as, you, if, as I mentioned this morning maybe you don't listen to the announcements last week but uh, Junior Hillen was announced uh, to be here this evening but uh, Junior hasn't been well and I contacted uh, Victor and he said he was available and then he said what a subject would be that he would come along and speak on the life of Bill Woods, so that was a double bonus, so we appreciate him stepping in, and we always enjoy his ministry, so thank him for that in advance uh, this evening. Uh, after the Gospel service, the Youth Fellowship meet, and the speaker tonight is Ben Murray, I think Ben's with us in the service, so Ben's good to have you with us, and he's speaking on Christian life in high school from the eyes of a Christian teacher. And then in parallel with that, uh, the Youth Fellowship meet, uh, we'll be meeting just in the minor hall there, we'll have a prayer time for the young people and also a prayer time for the pastoral vacancy. Just before the meeting, Pastor Maxwell was telling me that he's not available for the pastorate. He's only available for youth pastor, we're looking one, so, um, that's, uh, so it's good to have him with us, and uh, these men are greatly appreciated. A Wednesday night then, 6.45, searchers, 8 p.m. to a Bible study and prayer meeting, and Paul McCreary will be along to speak on Wednesday night and for a further two after that. Thursday morning, 10.30 then, is Tiny Tots, and Saturday, 6.30 in the evening uh, through to 8pm, Sports for Christ, and that's for primary school age children. And that takes us through to next Sunday, 10.15, the Sunday school, and then 10.30 in the morning is the combined junior and adult Bible class, and then service at 11.30 and 6.30, and our brother Johnny Rice is speaking next Sunday. And that's all the necessary announcements this evening, always made subject to the Lord's will. The sands 
of time are sinking, the dawn of heaven breaks, the summer morn I've sighed for, the fair sweet morn awakes, dark dark hath been the midnight, but day spring is at hand and glory glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land O Christ he is the fountain the deep, deep well of love, the streams on earth I've tasted, more deep I'll drink above, there to an ocean fullness, his mercy doth expand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. With mercy and with judgment, my web of time he of sorrow were lusted with his love I'll bless the hand that guided I'll bless the heart that planned when throned where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land My beloved's mine, he brings a poor vile sinner into his house of wine. I stand upon his merit, I know no other stand, not even where glory. her dear bridegroom's face I will not gaze at glory but on my king of grace not at the crown he giveth but on 
Sandy, thank you very much, and thank you for the very kind words of welcome to be here at St. Philip Baptist this evening. Always a joy to come and fellowship with the folk here, and uh, it just so happened that this evening was vacant. Um, as, uh, Brian was saying I'm not available for the pastor. I got a call the other day from a Baptist church asking me if I could do a missionary meeting, and I said, well, it depends when it is. He said, in April 2026. <laughs> I said, excuse me, but uh, I'll be 86 by then, and I don't expect to be around doing missionary meetings when I'm 86. But uh, as I said, it's a joy to come here this evening. A particular joy because just at the moment we're preparing a movie about the life of Dr. Bill Woods. Bill has been a, a close friend to us. We've worked with Bill, we worked with Bill since 1964, and uh, a lot of life is packed into that. And so this evening I want to share some of the testimony. I'm going to read the scriptures. First of all, one verse from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9 and verse 25. It's speaking of the conversion of the Apostle Paul and his escape from Damascus. But verse 25 says this word, then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in the basket. We don't know how many disciples there were. We don't know their names. But these particular disciples, they risked their lives. It was in Damascus. They were seeking to kill Paul. These disciples, nameless as they be, but known to God, they not only risked their lives, they got up in the middle of the night and let Paul down by the wall in a basket. Those rope holders didn't know the man who was in the basket. They didn't know that the person in the basket would write 13 books of the New Testament. They didn't know that in the basket was the greatest missionary the Christian church has ever known. If they'd known what was in the basket, perhaps a multitude would have joined to hold the ropes. But these faithful ones just held the ropes of a servant of God, not knowing all the potential that was there. I say that this evening because this lad from the Ravenhill Road, who was in many ways frowned upon for his lack of ability, yet the people who put him into their prayer basket and prayed for him and supported him didn't know the immense blessing that would flow out of the life of Dr. Bill Woods. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. The other reading is 1 Timothy chapter 1, and it just says this word as the Apostle Paul himself looks back and uh, thanks God for the ministry that God gave to him. Listen to what it says in verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth 
all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe in him to life everlasting. Now, on to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. May God bless to us the reading of his word. Every life is writing a book. The Apostle Paul calls it an epistle. My friend, can I say, God is at work in your life just as he would work in Bill Wood's life. And this evening I want to share some of his testimony just to reflect how God can work in your life. So, uh, Bill Woods, Bill Woods really, he came from the Raven Hill Road. Ramless Street, just off Raven Hill Avenue, was born in October 1937. He had uh, one sister and three brothers, and as children, while they were evacuated during the war uh, to the big granite building of Ballygown, many of you will know this building, perhaps you pass it every day. It was built at the beginning of the 20th century, as, as a matter of fact, it may interest people to know that Dr. Craig, the moderator of the Presbyterian Church, his father worked at the top of that in 1912, and a month after Dr. Craig was born, his father fell from the top to the bottom and died a week later. Dr. Craig's father died a month after he was born. However, there stands the black granite building and during the war, to the left-hand side, that was divided into apartments, and the Woods family were in one of those apartments. As a matter of fact, the Brethren missionary, um, Harry Reid, was also in the building and also played with the boys and girls in the forecourt here. That was the playground. The right-hand side of the building was the school. That was the Bellygown School. They called it the Owl Schoolhouse. That was the Owl Schoolhouse in Bellygown. The Woods boys were always up to some mischief, and one of them one day as they played football, he kicked a ball, and the ball smashed through a window. Interested to know where the ball had gone, he climbed up on a, on a box and looked into the window, only to find the headmaster sitting in a bath of water, and the ball had gone into the bath. <laughs> the boy jumped down immediately, and the shocked headmaster never got to see who kicked the ball. And the Woods family never let on, so uh, they continued in that. Bill's father was not in Ballygown. He had gone off to war. He was in the Navy. As a matter of fact, he had been decorated by King George VI because of his bravery during the war. The last man on board a ship that was on fire, helping to put the fire out. He was a very brave man, but he was absent during the war. Uh, but Bill... He attended the Tullygarvan Sunday School, the Sunday School at the Presbyterian Church in Ballygowan. And then when, after the war, they moved back down to Belfast, Bill joined the Orangefield Boys Brigade, and it was there that really God made a big impression on his life. Made a big impression on his life because one of the officers taught the boys in the Bible school and taught the scriptures in such a way that Bill became so conscious of his need of Christ. He was only 11, 12 years of age. Oswald J. Smith, the famous Canadian evangelist, arrived on the uh, Castlereagh Road at McQuiston Presbyterian Church, and in 1950 he had a great gospel campaign, and 
Bill went out in those meetings to indicate that he needed to be saved, but alas, no one counseled him, no one prayed with him. They just gave to him a little decision card and told him to go home. It never made any change or impression on Bill's life. But Bill's mother had opened a shop on the Ravenhill Road, and at the shop one day, a young lady came in and invited Bill and his brother, Brian, to the meetings at the Ravenhill Free Presbyterian Church. There, a young Ian Paisley was the preacher. Bill had just come from the BB camp, and again at the BB camp, he was made aware of his need of salvation, and with this still fresh in his heart, he attended the meetings with Dr. Paisley. The church at the Ravenhill Road was a broad platform, and in places he preached, paraded from one end of the platform to the other, and sometimes down the aisle, pleading with people to come to Christ. Every week there were half a dozen, ten, twelve people coming to the Savior. Those were days of big revival, and many people were being converted. On the 20th of July, 1952, Bill, 14 years of age, trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And uh, this is a totally, yeah, let me just go back. Uh, trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and it made a big change in his life. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice. On thee, my Savior and my God, well may this growing heart rejoice to tell its raptures all abroad. When Bill got converted, he was, in a sense, afraid to tell anyone. The Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But Bill didn't tell his family, didn't tell his friends at school. But a week later, his mother said to him, Bill, what's happened to you? You're changed. Have you become a Christian? Are you going to that church? It was then that Bill confessed that he was a Christian. Very soon, he got caught up in the Young People's Fellowship, and God was blessing. As a matter of fact, out of the Young People's Fellowship at the Ravenhill Free Presbyterian Church, 13 of those young people went to be missionaries or ministers, and some of them are still serving God around the world today. Uh, Bill, he got involved locally. He, he, uh, he didn't feel he could ever preach. As a matter of fact, when he said to his father, I one day would like to go to the mission field. The father said, mission field? Son, you'll, you'll be lucky if you see the potato fields. Never mind the, the mission field. But Bill got involved in the work of the church. The only thing is, the first time they got him to testify, it was an open-air meeting at the gates of Ormer Park, and the man got up and said, there's a young man here by the name of William Woods. And when he was about to give him testimony, Bill was 50 yards up the road. He ran away immediately. He didn't want to do it. But God gave to him the grace, and very soon Bill was out preaching he was only 17, 18 years of age, and out of Tully Garvin and around the Ballygown area, he, he conducted meetings. As a matter of fact, the brother-in-law of Pastor Garrett trusted the Lord, and uh, Pastor Garrett's wife, Jean, trusted the Lord in those meetings, and there was a lot of blessing. At the Ravenhill Free Presbyterian Church, Fred and Ina Orr, fresh from Bible College, they got involved with the young people and did a, a gospel mission at Mount Miriam. During that mission, many people were converted, and Bill, he was very influenced by Fred Orr. As a matter of fact, he was at the church on the 18th of March, not only influenced by Fred Orr, but influenced by the Mum family. The Mum family came from York Street. There were 10 of them. Two of the men were killed in the war. 
Mrs. Munn, the mother, said, I gave two of my sons to King George. The rest of my family I want to give to King Jesus. And out of that family, seven of them went into Christian work. Emma, who's sitting beside Bill there on his left, Emma Munn went to Guinea in Africa. Beside uh, Emma, there's Janet. She went to Liberia. The brother Robert went to Liberia. The sister Jessie went to the Cape Verde Islands. And uh, Lottie went to the Cape Verde Islands. Uh, beyond that, why the two sisters, uh, Sandra and Annie, they stayed behind and opened the shop, the proceeds of which went to support the sisters on the mission field. Bill was so stirred by them but not only them, when uh, Bill and Ina, or sorry, when Fred and Ina Orr left for Brazil in March 1954, Bill was there when Ina stood to sing, Oh Lord, this world is lost in sin, and few there are who care, many of whom profess your name, no, no burden will help to bear. We need a passion, Lord, for souls, to bring the lost back to thee, our Hearts must be stirred until all have heard at least once of Calvary. Ina was only 29 years of age, Fred, and Ina only married five years when she sang out, Let me burn out for thee, dear Lord. Burn and wear out for thee. Don't let me rust or my life be a hindrance, my God, to thee. Take me and all I have, dear Lord, and get me so close to thee till I feel the throb of the great heart of God and my life burns out for thee. Bill Woods was challenged in that meeting. Challenged in the meeting and was at the boat when Fred and Ina left for Brazil and the, on the 18th of March 1954. Back in those days it took the boat six weeks to get to Brazil and then the same boat a thousand miles up the Amazon. They were going to join Molly Harvey. I'm not sure. No, I can't. But if you see Brazil where it juts out into the Atlantic Ocean on the right-hand side, and then go right across, a straight line across, you can see Acre. Acre is the most northwesterly state in the whole of Brazil, and from the mouth of Brazil, uh, sorry, the mouth of the Amazon, to get to the Acre, it's 2,500 miles. That's where Fred and Ina were bound for, but when they got to Manaus, let me just say, Fred and Ina were going with Acre Gospel Mission. This is Mr. and Mrs. McComb. Mr. McComb went to Brazil in 1926. They founded the Acre Gospel Mission in 1937. And here is Fred and Ina with Dory Gunning and another friend from Dondono uh, when they had arrived in Brazil in 1954. They had hoped to go to Boca do Acre by, by ship, I'm sorry, by uh, Catalina, we call it Catalina, the flying boat that lands on the water. And... Uh, but there were no, no vacancies to get, a, to get on the aeroplane, so they had to take a river steamer, a river steamer that would be 1,500 miles. It would take them three weeks to make it to Boca do Acre. But when they got on board that boat, after a week, Ina went down with a fever. She had eaten something at the captain's table and it didn't do well with her. And when she was ill, Fred was at her bedside every day praying that God would spare her life. But the more he prayed, the worse she got. Fred Orr told me that it was a bit carnal, but as he prayed, all he could think of was Molly Malone. She, she died of a fever and no one could save her. That was Ina. 
It was Friday night at 8 o'clock, the 4th of June, 1954, just six weeks after they got to Brazil, that Ina turned to Fred and said, Fred, you go and do the Lord's work. I'm going to sleep. She closed her eyes and fell asleep in Jesus. Eight o'clock on Friday night she died. At nine o'clock on Saturday morning they buried her. Fred was there when he could hear them making the, the simple coffin and to see them carry that coffin out to the cemetery and not able to speak Portuguese, he stood over that open grave and read the 23rd Psalm. People couldn't understand what he was reading, but the impression at Middle Labria touched many hearts. So much so in later years, some of those who gathered that day trusted Christ the Savior. Uh, Molly Harvey came home from Brazil at that time, and you can imagine the shock that spread around Belfast when the news of Ina Orr's death, memorial services, East Belfast was rocked, and Bill Wood's life was absolutely disturbed. He decided that God was calling him, and Molly Harvey had arrived home. She went to the Young People's Fellowship at the Martyrs at the Ravenhill of Free Presbyterian Church, the old building, and there she spoke and told about Ina. And she used a little lamparina, a little tin lamp, as you can see it there, that the people of the forest use. She said, this, this is a very small lamp. It has got oil in the tin, and it's got a wick, and it's got a burn, but the deeper the darkness, the brighter it burns. She spoke of the deep darkness in Brazil, the idolatry, the ignorance, the, the spiritual darkness. But she said, just a little light bring, can bring the light of the gospel. And Bill Wood said, Lord, help me to be a light for Jesus. And so it was in 1958, Bill went to the WEC Bible College in Glasgow. It was at the Glasgow Bible College that he not only learned to study the scriptures, but he learned to trust God for his life. And so it was that uh, this couple, some of you may have been to Kilcraggan in many years gone by and met uh, Fran and Ma Robacham, who were great people of God, took buildings for Christ. They had been missionaries in Colombia, but I went to the WEC Bible College and learned from them how to live by faith. And so it was, Bill learned, and on August 1960, Bill sailed for Brazil, the same trip that Fred and Ina had taken some six weeks to get to Brazil. There are the people at the, the, the Cecil Harvey is right to the fore there with his daughter Christine and there's James Gunning, Richard Payne and other people that some of you may know. They sailed to Brazil on a cargo ship just like this and Bill went to live with Fred Orr. As a matter of fact, he had gone there to Lambria to learn Portuguese. One of the things that Bill came up against is that uh, the first thing you've got to do arriving in a foreign country is learn the language. And to learn the language, you've got to live with the people. And sometimes you'll learn by your mistakes. Bill learned a whopper of a lesson by his mistakes. He, he wanted to buy batteries for his radios. He said to Molly Harvey, how do I ask for batteries in the shop? Molly took her pen and wrote it out. Oh, senor, ting pilhas. That is, do you have any batteries? The word for battery is pilha, but as Molly wrote P for pilha, it looked to Bill like an F, so instead of asking for pilhas, he asked the man that they have any filhas. Pilha is battery, filha is daughter. 
So you can imagine when Bill got to the shop and he said to the man, excuse me, sir, do you have any daughters? And the man said, yes, I do. Bill said, I'd like to buy four of them, please. And maybe for that reason, he never, ever got married. But it was with Fred Orr that he went to learn Portuguese. And Fred took him out to the, the graveyard there in Labria to show where Ina was buried. The Bible tells us, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Whenever you write fields, behold, waving to God their sheaves of gold, be sure some corn of wheat has died. Some soul has earnestly wept and cried and faced hell's legions, hell's legions undefined. Fred and Ina were the first missionaries ever to arrive in, in Lambria. The bishop tried to put them out of the town, but an old Syrian said, I have a piece of land, I'm going to give it to them. And on that piece of land, the mission built a church, and built a house rather. And in that house, when Audrey and I arrived in 1965, we had the meetings. We lived in one side of the house, and the other side were just the meetings. Today, there's a thriving church in Lambria. When I go there to preach, not only is the church, which is a bit bigger than this church, it is packed, but also the crowds across the road, they fill the school. When it comes to the 4th of June and they have a, a memorial service for Ina Orr, the church can't hold them. So on the tropical night, they sit outside the church, up to 2,000 people. That's what God has done. There is no gain but by a loss. We only conquer through the cross. That corn of wheat, to multiply, must fall into the ground and die. And that corn of wheat in Labria was Ina Orr and the great price that Fred paid. However, Bill said about learning the language, and this is Bill Barclay from Randallstown, near where Johnny the Slack Corner. And, uh, so Bill soon got to know many Brazilians. And here's one Brazilian pastor that Bill took a particular interest in, Pastor Miguel. Took an interest in him because Pastor Miguel had leprosy. And uh, Bill, during his whole first term, he tried to support Pastor Miguel. Uh, Bill joined the Acre Gospel Mission out there, and the couple to the right-hand side, you see Bill in behind them, Jack and June Maudsley, went to open a work in a little place called Labria. And so it was that Bill went there to work in 1960. Labria is a very small town, an impoverished town, an isolated town. There are two main streets in Labria, that's the front street, and then just to the right of the picture is another street. Uh, Audrey and I joined Bill there in 1965, but Bill had been there, and while there, God really spoke to him. He was, he was working in the town, but one night he got a call. I should show a bit more of Labria. There's, that's Bill's house. That was a modern kitchen, if you're interested in one, but uh, there's Donovan Jika. Uh, Donovan Jika is came from a house in the jungle, but she was there to help Bill, and uh, she stayed on to be with us. God blessed that work, and a little church was built in the town, but besides the work, there were great medical needs, but no, no doctors, no nurses, no one to attend the people. Uh, however, one night, Bill, about half past four, five o'clock at night, it gets dark every night in the Amazon at six o'clock, he got word to say there was a boy downriver about an hour's journey downriver 
who was in great need, so Bill went down on a dugout canoe with a Brazilian. And as they got near the place, he could hear the cries of a boy echoing into the forest. Bill drew in the canoe at the river bank at the mouth of the river Mokoween and went up the river bank and, uh, and there this boy was writhing in pain, crying, shouting, his parents absolutely distressed. The boy had been bitten by a snake a week before, or maybe up to two weeks before. They brought him down river, down the river Mokoween on a, on a dugout canoe. As Bill got near to him, Bill could smell the stench of rotting flesh. The flesh of the lower part of the leg was pulling away from the bone like a bark of an old dead tree. And the boy crying, and Bill says, I, I'm not a medical missionary, I, I can't do something, I've got aspirin. The boy shouted, help me, please help me. Bill said, I'm going to pray for you. The boy shouted back, I don't want you to pray, I want you to do something. I want you to do something. But what did Bill do? Even while Bill prayed for the boy, his prayers were interrupted by the cry of the boy. And reluctantly, at 10 o'clock that night, Bill left that sad house. And as he crossed the river in the dugout canoe, he could hear the echo of the voice into the night. I want you to do something, do something. The boy died that night and was buried the next day. But the voice of the boy still rung on in Bill's heart. And Bill said, I want to do something. And so it was in Labria, while Audrey and I went to live with Bill in Labria, uh, we, we, uh, before we went, as a matter of fact, we went with Bill to Harley Street in London to study leprosy, do a course in leprosy, and then when we come back, we started to treat the leprosy patients in our town. I'd been to the Mystery School of Medicine, and there was, when the nearest doctor is three hours away by aeroplane or ten days away by boat, then you've got to do all sorts of things, suturing wounds, extracting teeth, and treating all sorts of difficult situations. And Bill was at the side of us. Bill also got to know some of the people who traveled in the river, and here are some of them here. I don't have time to talk about them. But one of those who came was a missionary, the Wycliffe Bible Translators, by the name of Arnie Abramson. Arnie, an American for five years, he tried to make a friendly contact with the Juma Indians in the forest. He invited Bill to go with him into the forest and try to reach these Indians, and so Bill went. Throughout the Amazon area, there are still people like this who still live as they lived many years ago, and sadly, many of them are still don't know Christ the Savior. During our time in Brazil, new tribes had over 200 missionaries in the Amazon region trying to reach these tribes for Christ. We would travel these rivers. I remember traveling with Bill on these rivers. And they're flowing swiftly. That's why they're cutting into the forest and those great serpentine bends. I remember one day traveling with Bill on the river Mokoween. I was at the front of the boat trying to steer the boat across the river to get the, wrong, the right side of the sweeping bend of the river. As that river sweeps around, trees fall. I'm speaking of trees, 80 and 90 feet high like a castanera. So you've got to be careful. That particular day, I was steering the front of the boat, and uh, we got caught in the current. We were being swept downstream, and a massive tree was in the middle of the river. And as we got near it, I shouted, Bill, Bill, we're going to hit the tree. He shouted to me, jump overboard. Jump overboard. There are crocodiles, piranha fish, snakes, 
and stingray fish all in the river. Well, there was no else for jumping overboard. As we came near to hit that tree, why, the canoe hit the tree. Pots and pans and cups and saucers, everything. And as I put my foot out to try to stop it, my shoe came off and I shouted, Bill, I've lost my shoe. He shouted back, I've lost my teeth. <laughs> so it's not, not going up the river on a Sunday afternoon. It's uh, risking your life to reach people for Christ. And so while the Amazon highway penetrates into the forest, Bill and Arnie Abramson traveled on these rivers. And uh, as did all of our missionaries, incidentally, on, on different rivers. Bill Woods used to say, as he traveled on those rivers, oftentimes, and ourselves, we had, uh, there's the mud, that's how it is. Bill used to say, some through the fire, some through the flood, but here am I, stuck in the mud. And uh, it's not like preaching on the Ravenhill Road, or coming to Saintfield for that matter. However, at that last conference I showed just there, Bill announced that he felt God was calling him to do medicine in Brazil, studying in Portuguese. However, uh, he took leave of absence from the mission and got the, I said about the Catalina plane, took the plane to the city of Manaus, and there <coughs> he got residence at the Faith Baptist Church. He set the exam on the first sitting he didn't get into the university. However, university came back and said, there are three quotas, three places fell short of the quota, we need three more. So Bill set the exam again, came top and got entrance into the university. For six years, he studied, port studied medicine in Portuguese. And during that time, he became a worker and pastor at this church and God helped him and blessed him. As a matter of fact, this young man who today is a pastor. When Bill went out to reach him, he was lying in, in houses of ill repute, drugs and drink and bad living. And yet Bill went after him, even into those places, and won him for the Savior. Today he is a pastor. Also Pastor Francisco, one of our pastors, Molly Harvey, led Francisco to the Lord. During those years that Bill was in Manaus studying medicine, he learned how to make shoes that would help leprosy patients. Leprosy, you've seen the patients with no hands and no feet. Uh, those hands and feet don't drop off. Um, they get infected. The nerves here at the elbow, the ulnar nerve, would become infected. And, and when it's infected, it's inflamed. And with inflammation, it's got a swell. But when it's up against the bone, there's no room for it to swell, so it breaks. And when that nerve breaks, then they get a claw hammer hand where they can't open their fingers anymore. There's no feeling in the hand. When they put their hand on a hot stove, they can't, they can't feel that it's burning. They smell that it's burning. And then they look and it's full of blisters. Similar thing on the feet. When the nerve is broken at the back of the knee, they get a dropped foot and there's no feeling on the bottom of their feet. So they step on nails or glass. And, and very soon with repeated infections, hands and feet wear away. Francisco, for 10 years, he worked with Bill, uh, making shoes and boots that had styrofoam and foam in them to prevent their legs. Way back, I think it was 1983, I went with Bill. Bill qualified as a doctor. He then went to Rio de Janeiro to study ophthalmic surgery. And uh, through ophthalmic surgery, why he was able to do so much. Over a thousand people got sight restored because of Bill. I'm with him here, 
uh, and United States were bought on a phonic, uh, microscope. And uh, it's a bit of a story about this microscope. We brought it to America, and from America we flew into Colombia, Bogota, and I had to go on to Brazil. But Bill had to go to a place called, uh, not Iquitos, to Leticia. And, uh, but when he got to Bogota, the customs took the microscope off him. And that was his work. He had paid a lot of money for it. And he went back to the airport, and one of the guards said, wait till they're all off duty, and I'll get it for you. It's down in the store. So the, the man put the, you know, the conveyor belt? Put the conveyor belt on, and Bill and the man got on the conveyor belt and went through into the store. And there he got the, he, he got the microscope and smuggled it out again on the conveyor belt and thanked the man very much. Next day, he was to get the flight to Iquitos, but when the customers found out that they'd robbed the, the store where the microscope was, they sent word to Leticia to say, there's a foreigner on that plane and he's got a microscope and uh, it's got to be impounded. Next day, when Bill, well, sorry, when after that flight, Bill got to Iquitos, there was a long line go through the customs and he got speaking to the man beside him and he told the man he was a Christian worker and he was doctor and thonic, etc., etc. And he said to the man, I'm afraid they'll take this microscope off me. When they got to the, the customs man, the, uh, the man in front of the bill said, um, I'd like to introduce you to my friend. He's a, he's a priest in the Acre. Oh, said the custom man, God bless you, my friend. Holy Father, I ask your blessing. And Bill just said, God bless you, my child. Just go on through. And that's how he got the microscope into Brazil, ethical or not. But with that microscope, as I've said, Bill did so much work. Here are some of his patients, Bill traveling on the rivers to meet his patients. When speaking of ophthalmics, uh, of uh, a lady, I was with Bill one day, I was carrying that microscope into the hospital, and a lady came out the other side of the door, and she looked at me, did not, but when she saw Bill, she threw her arms around Bill, and I said, he's, again, he's made it. And, but she turned to me and she said, this man for me is an angel. I was blind for nine years, and they give me his, my sight back again. It's for that reason I called his first book, Angel of the Amazon. This man for me is an angel. Another man in the town of Cruzeiro do Sul, he had his sight restored. They did the operation, they removed the swamps, the next day he could see. And the man was quite excited, as you might imagine. He said, I can't wait till this afternoon. And Bill said, why this afternoon? He said, my wife's coming, I haven't seen her for nine years. Bill, in typical humor, said, well, if you don't like what you see, I can't reverse the operation. You've got to put up with this sort of thing. And that was Bill Woods. There are 37 tributaries of the Amazon across the state of Acre. Bill has traveled in all of them, going to isolated, isolated towns, no, little settlements of people, sometimes only one or two houses. But Bill went and slept on the boat. And I'm talking, when we went on river journeys, we would go for a month. And I tell you, you lose a stone of weight in a month. And uh, you can tell I haven't been in one for a while. But... Uh, you lose a stone of weight for a month. Bill Woods would go for three and four months and live rough like this, drinking the water of the river and trusting God for protection. And these houses, sometimes he had to swim to get to the houses and uh, a lot of sacrifice in that life. As a matter of fact, during all of that time, Bill was working so hard, he was so down in health that they felt he had leprosy. 
And so it was, he had to go to the United States of America to Louisville where Dr. Paul Brand, Dr. Brand was a famous leprologist, uh, knighted by the Queen, and his wife Margaret, who stayed with us, uh, both of them leprologists, and Bill was interned in the leprosy hospital as a patient. With a month they found that he didn't have leprosy, but it taught Bill what it was like to be diagnosed with leprosy. Give him an understanding of his own patients. And so it was, Bill went to Rio Branco in 1978, and there until just when the Lord took him home, that was his place. He was known throughout the town. Here is Alberto. I wish you could have met Alberto. Alberto has been in the infirmary for 55 years. He's now with the Lord, incidentally. The first time Audrey and I met Alberto, here he was, no hands, no feet. His face emaciated and he's totally blind. With repeated infections, scar tissue has made him absolutely blind. But the first time we met him, he opened his mouth, he had two teeth, one up and one down. Now, Bill taught him to eat, Bill got him uh, like elastic bands and put a knife on one elastic band and fork on the other and so that's how he was able to eat. But the teeth, he said, thank God they meet. One up, one down. Because Fred Orr bought him a tape recorder and radio. And one day when I had Dr. McGacky, another moderator of the, free, of the Presbyterian Church, he was out visiting some friends and came to see us. And I took him to meet Alberto. Alberto said, tell your friend I'd like to give him a chapter of the Bible. I said, Alberto, what chapter? He said, Psalm 119. I said, there's 176 verses. He said, that's right. I, I, I said, how did you learn it? Tape recorder. With the teeth. Listen to a verse. Memorize the verse. Can you imagine 176 verses? After he, I said, give us eight verses. And so it was. He gave the first portion of Psalm 118. And then he sang with a beautiful tenor voice. How great thou art. He was, he looked up the Bill Williams, for Bill gave to him hope and blessing. And here's Bill with his microscope that he took all over the acre. Bill also discovered another disease known as George Lobo disease. George Lobo disease is a bacteria that comes into the skin and gives like big cauliflower lumps all over the ears and the nose and the mouth. And uh, no one knew a cure for it. That is until Bill started to treat some of the leprosy patients and found that the leprosy medicine helped cure the George Lobo disease. The American Medical Journal wrote it up and Bill is accredited as the one who found the cure to George Lobo disease. Besides all that, Bill was involved in the church. These pastors, why figure read to Bill's left, why he looked up to Bill. Incidentally, Lucy Marr led figure to the Lord, but here's Bill with uh, Figueredo and Anton Nielsen and Dr. Geddes. And we thank God for these medical doctors. Pray for Dr. Tom Geddes at the moment. He's, he's not well and hasn't been well since April last year. But we thank God for the team God gave to us. Both Dr. Geddes and Dr. Bill Woods received OBE from the Queen. Way back in 1996, I wrote to Mr. Mayhew, the Secretary of State, uh, the Prime Minister at the time, George, um, oh, his name's gone from me, it wasn't Tony Blair, 
the the one who will fit her in glasses. Someone help me. John Major. I wrote to John Major. I wrote to Ian Pesa. I wrote to the president of Brazil, the senators in Brazil, the governor of the state, and the mayor of the town. All of them replied to me. And I applied for the OBE for Bill Woods, and he got it in November 1997. And then Dr. Uh, Dr. Tom Geddes got his two years later. The Queen spoke to Bill and said, I didn't know that leprosy in Brazil. Bill told her that the Acre had the highest incidence of Brazil, uh, of leprosy rather, in the whole of the Americas. As a result of his work, it has now got the lowest incidence of leprosy in the whole of Brazil. President Lula, who was the president and now the president again, the Queen had a civic reception for President Lula and Ian Paisley, as a member of the Privy Council, was invited. He was speaking to the Queen in the presence of Lula and said to Lula, the president of Brazil, we have a missionary from our church. He works in Brazil. He works with leprosy patients. And uh, Lula said, what's his name? He said, Bill, Bill Woods. They don't call him Bill in Brazil. They call him Guilherme. And he said, Woods, where does he work? Acre. And the president turned to the Queen and said, I know him. He says, we give him medicines. As a matter of fact, Lula provided Bill with a, uh, a lovely big Honda van, an SUV, so he could travel those rivers, uh, those roads rather. Bill received his OBE, he received also the freedom of the city of Manaus. This was him speaking to the children who watched the flashcard story, Angel of the Amazon. But Bill went to be with the Lord on the 6th of November. The 6th of November, listen, he was awarded OBE by Her Majesty the Queen, awarded distinction in medicine by the uh, Academy of Medicine for the whole of Brazil. There's a corridor in Brasilia with a picture of the 100 men who made a big impression on Brazil. Bill Woods is one of them. He was a, awarded an honorary doctorate by the, medicine, the uh, School of Medicine, medicine of the Federal University of Acre, Awarded honorary citizenship of Brazil, he was a Brazilian. Awarded the freedom of Rio Branco, recognized by the President of Brazil in conversation with the Queen. But said the Apostle Paul, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. Let me finish this by saying very briefly, the Apostle Paul never got over what God did in his life. Gypsy Smith, when he was in his upper 70s, someone said to him, why is it you're still so enthusiastic about the gospel? He said, I've never got over what God has done in my life. Can I say that was Bill Woods? The Apostle Paul, now coming to the end of his ministry in life, he thanked God, yes, I thank God, that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Remember what we said about the boy of Ravenhill Road? He had the luck of he sees a potato feet. Yet he made an impression for God. And we thank God for the ministry that was given to Bill Woods. But the Apostle Paul was not only thankful for the ministry whereby he had taken the gospel of Jesus Christ across the Roman Empire, 
But the Apostle Paul was grateful for the miracle that happened in him. I thank God for the ministry, but I thank God for the miracle. For I was a persecutor. I was injurious. I was a blasphemer. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. My friend, can I say that every conversion is a miracle? The Apostle Paul conversion was a miracle. Bill Woods was only 14 years of age, and the impression of the, the BB on his life, and that a Bible class leader, and the preacher Glenn Paisley, helped him take that step and come to Christ. And the miracle happened when he passed from death unto life, was born again into the family of God. And my friend, can I say that miracle can happen in your life tonight? He was not only grateful for the ministry given to him and the miracle that happened in him, but grateful for the message. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Martin Luther said, if we were to contract a Bible down to one statement, this would be the statement, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. My friend, can I say that for the people across the world, and the people across the street, we have no other message. It's preaching Jesus. He came to save us, the likes of us, the likes of you. Grateful for the miracle that happened in him, the message given to him. Grateful for the, the pattern, the model that he was. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy, said the Apostle Paul, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth as a model, as a, a pattern to them which should hereafter believe in him. My friend, the life of Bill Woods, the life of the Apostle Paul, was that of sacrifice, of dedication, of that passion to serve Christ. I wonder would that pattern touch our lives? Do what we do for Christ, do we do it with a passion? A passion for the will of God and a passion for the work of God and a passion, my friend, to preach the word of God. Thankful for the ministry given to him, the miracle that happened in him, the message that he had, the, the model that God used. Now for the melody. <laughs> Unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And in our hearts tonight, we say amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank you tonight for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We're reminded tonight of what you can do in one life, and you can do it in any life. Our Lord, we do pray that you will bless each person here present, and especially we pray for those who are on the threshold of years to come. Dear Lord, be with them. And, and our God, we ask of thee that you will help them to remember the scriptures that say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. And not to be conformed with the, the image of this world, the thinking of this world, the values of this world, but rather to be transformed so that we might prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to sing the first and last verses of our closing hymn, 710.
There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. attention I know we've gone a little bit over our time this evening we trust God will bless you can I just say on behalf of Acre Gospel Mission we have our our current leaflet and we want to thank all of those who hold the ropes for Acre Gospel Mission this is very much a tribute to Bill Woods in touch magazine it's free of charge it's on the table at the far end also I have a book that the publisher asked me if I could put a book together in a week and uh, so we brought this book out, The Belfast Boy in Brazil, An Appreciation of Dr. Bill Woods. They're there. If you want to take one, I don't know, Brother James Carson or someone in the church. James is a very esteemed uh, member of our committee, uh, and we want to thank him for that. But uh, those books are there. If you're wanting one, uh, you can leave the money with us sometime later through someone in the church. They are £7 each as a day. Heavenly Father, now we pray that you will take us to our homes in safety. In thy fear and in thy peace, in our Saviour's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>